Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Craddock, and I am super pumped to talk about how to win in real estate, how to build wealth, and uh, what wealth really is. There's, there's two pieces of it. Wealth is when your money works harder than you work, one. And two, the difference between the wealthy and the poor is the wealthy have options, more options. The poor have fewer options. And even the options they have are not great options. And so what we do when we build wealth is we build opportunities to give us options to, you know, with our life, you know, how you work, when you work, all the other stuff. But the reality is, and I was just having a coaching session with one of the agents on my team earlier today, where we were talking about building wealth. He's crushing it literally in the last month. He made enough money to pay off his uh, wife's student debt of $41,000, and he bought a new house that they're living in. So now they have their first rental property as they have a new house that has over $100,000 in equity because he bought a house that needed a little bit of work, fixed it up, and um, now has massive equity. So it's basically like a flip that he was living in. It was super, super cool. So with that said, um, uh, we are going to jump in, but I wanted to ask this question and please send me a Facebook message or send me a, uh, send a message on the, in the uh, Facebook group or an Instagram message and let me know what your take is on this. I was thinking about doing a three week free mastermind. Now with, I say free, nothing's free in life. Here's what I would require. Uh, I would require that anybody that joins uh, read a book of my, not even a book that, not a book that I wrote, right? I haven't written a book. So not a book that I wrote. So I get nothing out of it except helping people on that. But if, if somebody would be interested in that, there are three topics that I was thinking through that I thought would, I would love to go three weeks. It's uh, three weeks for 45 minutes a week. Um, and we would either talk about uh, how to win with buyers in this market with uh, with high interest rates, uh, number one. Number two, how to get more listings. You know, that's number two. Or number three, just how to up your sales skills. And the whole idea would be how to get more from less. Meaning if you, you're already going on appointments um, or you're already talking to people on the phone, how do you close more? How do you raise your, your closing percentage? So, um, if anybody would be interested in that, the requirement would be that you would have to read a book that I would say is pertinent, pertinent to that topic, um, and you'd have to commit to reading it. Like you're putting your reputation, you're you're putting your name on the line, saying I will read it, not I think I'll read it or I'll maybe read it. And Audible will be fine because I do all my reading in Audible. On Audible, that if you do that that uh, you'd be invited to mastermind with other people that are looking to up their game. So if that's something you want to do, post that on Facebook, post that in, uh, you know, send me a private message on Instagram or a private Facebook message. And if there is a crew of a few people that that would be helpful to, I would love to do that. All right. 
So game on. Uh, all right, I am uh, working on what we are going to, to talk through right now, which is creative financing. We've already done, we've already talked about um, the a seller take back or a seller carry or uh, seller financing. So we've talked about that. We talked about a subject to loan, or uh, some people call it a, a sub two or a contract for deed. You know, they're slightly different, but they're also very similar. So we talked about that. Um, I know we talked about one other thing, but today we're going to be talking about assumable mortgages, assumable mortgages. So uh, what is an assumable mortgage? So um, not all mortgages are completely assumable if you don't do a contract for deed or you don't do a sub two, right? Like, so you can assume any loan, but you cannot have an assumable mortgage um, unless it is specifically assumable by the bank. So what is an assumable mortgage? It's one where the bank agrees to let somebody else take over the mortgage. Um, with that said, you got to think through it. Like, let's say you have an assumable mortgage where you owe 500 on it and you're selling it for 600. That means there's about $100,000 that needs to be made up for, right? So you will have to bring $100,000 down to make up for that uh, mortgage. And, you know, if it's a 20% down, then you need to make sure it's 20%, which $100,000 would be on that, that loan. But that is the deal there. Um, most conventional mortgages are not assumable in the traditional sense, unless you're doing a sub two or a contract for deed. Um, the ones that typically are, are VA loans. And so a VA loan or an FHA loan, um, those tend to be assumable. Also USDA loans are assumable as well. Um, I actually just had, and, and here's a little plug for one of my, uh, one of my buddies. I was just in Tampa, which I just posted on social, which Jeff, you got to check this out. Literally spoke on the same page or same stage as Hulk Hogan. I'm going to send you a, a text of a picture of me and the Hulkster, Jeff, right now. But um, uh, but I, as I was down there, I was talking to a buddy of mine who has a data company. And the data company, uh, they can find properties that are, are usable for assumable mortgages where, you know, essentially USDA, FHA, or VA, where you can market to them. So if you have a buyer in that area that maybe has a little cash, but wants to have a lower, uh, a lower interest rate, you can market to those properties. So we can jump more into this in a second, but uh, yeah, welcome, Jeff. Um, do you have anything you want to add to what we were just saying um, on any of this, Jeff, before we jump into well, uh, you know, I just, you know, because we are in a creative series, I'm going to give you a little bit of a hard time on that hundred grand because there, there is other ways that you can um, produce that hundred grand to make up the, the equity difference uh, other than just simply bringing cash, right? Well, there are. Yeah. yeah. And when we talked through it, you know, the last few weeks, we've, we've gone through the series, which was you know, the sub to seller take back other options there. And now we're, now we're talking about the assumable mortgage. Uh, yeah. 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 J just teasing you a little bit because you can, you can set up terms uh, on that hundred grand as well so that you don't have to bring the full hundred thousand dollars cash. 
you know, maybe you only plan on putting out 10%, that 10% leaves you with 50,000 left that you got to cover. If the seller is willing to do terms with that on a seller carryback, that's where you get into some hybrid models. Um, again, just wanting to keep the door open, you know, as this series is doing, instead of seeing a, a closed door or a roadblock, you know, constantly being able to keep your eyes open for the next, um, you know, for, for another option or another way. Right. 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 So, so yeah, no, that, that's really all I got. Um, you know, just, just adding a little bit there. So let's, let's keep moving. Cool. 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 All right. So FHA loans, um, are, are assumable, right? So with a, with an assumable FHA loan, um, new loans require that buyers meet a specific criteria. Some of the older ones actually don't have a requirement. You could just assume it, which is, is kind of crazy. Um, FHA changed their, their rules a little bit ago. Um, but yeah, so I think it's a minimum of a 580 credit score, which is crazy that <laughs> a 580. Sorry for those uh, you low credit score people out there, but a 580 credit score to assume a mortgage. Woo! All right, so that's the deal there. The second one is a VA loan, and and for uh, we live in the DC area, so there are so many VA loans here: Pentagon, Bowling. Uh, I mean, there's just uh, Navy Yard. You know, just so many different places. Um, for you know military folks to uh, be around here and so um, you can uh, those loans are assumable um, you know es essentially with that if, if a new VA buyer um, comes in they can assume the mortgage and the former buyer can keep their entitlement and go use a VA on another loan um, but you know there there are some instances where uh, the former, uh, where the first owner has some liability if, if the VA doesn't get paid back. So just know that those are some questions that need to be answered. One, one of the biggest pushbacks you're going to get on a VA assumption, unless it's another VA, right? If it's, if it's another veteran assuming a VA loan, there's, there's no there, there's no infraction on the entitlement because the entitlement changes over to the, to the new, to the VA uh, veteran buyer one of the pushbacks you'll get if you get a you know a, a non uh military buyer right or non non-veteran i guess a civilian is that it's going to infect their their benefit or their entitlement um it, it will have some impact but understand that you you essentially have um a number right an allotment of, of so much money and then every area has a different allotment or a different percentage. And so um, I, I think that I have a VA calculator somewhere that, that kind of breaks some of that stuff down. Um, but you can Google it, you can find people, you can come to the, you can come to our, our Facebook group on common real estate and, and ask around if you get into this scenario. But one of the first pushbacks you're going to get is, well, I'm going to go buy another house or I don't want to give up my benefit. I don't want to leave my benefit behind. You can you know, a, a veteran can buy multiple properties on their on their VA, um, but there is, you know, they, they only have so much benefit or entitlement there. So um, it, it's not a direct closed door, you know, if that if that uh, seems to be the, the case in their eyes. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, one other thing on the VA assumable loan. So obviously we're essentially almost at the end of this so that you're going to find so few people that have held this. But um, prior to uh, 1980, all VA loans were freely assumable. So literally, Jeff, you could just, I could own a, a property that I bought in 1987 um, when I was, you know, <laughs> 10 years old or whatever it was, or nine years old. Um, so I, you could come to me and I could give you that, that property essentially um, just let you assume it. You just go, boom, you send in the paperwork and it's done. The bank does not have to approve it at all. Like there's no approval process, no anything. It's, it's freely assumable. But the problem is on those freely assumable loans, if they don't pay, that's, that's what we're talking about. If they don't pay, right. you don't pay, then I would have liability on that. Um, if I wanted to ever use my, um, in my entitlement again. So that's, that's the key there is those freely assumable loans. But, uh, I don't know many people that, you know, buy in the, in the early eighties, or I guess it had to be between to be a 30 year loan. They've got like five years left right now. <laughs> so, yes. I'll assume that. <laughs> But yeah, and on a five-year left, unless you got a second trust or a third trust, you're probably going to bring a lot of cash to the table because what you bought a house for like, you know, $17,000 that's worth like, you know, 900 now. <laughs> so anyway, um, so uh, here's the other piece, uh, appraisals. You're not usually needing an appraisal for um for a property, when you go through the assume, uh, assumption process, yeah, Samantha, <laughs> Samantha gets how painful it is. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, it's it's essentially not worth anything now, but it would be cool if if you could. Um, so that's the deal for appraisals. Uh, let's see, uh, you know, here here's one of the other pieces as far as uh, assumable mortgages go. Uh, I just literally jumped off a phone call with somebody uh, a second ago who said his friend has bought about 20 properties um, with assumable mortgages or subject to, you know, he's, you know, he's mixed and matched both of them. He prefers assumable if he can, but he also does sub two where he's paid like he, the, the amount of properties they bought, uh, they paid at lit at market value or slightly higher. And I, I mean, Jeff, you tell me, tell everybody why would buying a property at you know above market value, if you could get a two point eight seven five mortgage, why would that be a smart business move? Well, it's huge uh, for two factors. One, your your monthly mortgage is going to be lower. Um, two, the you know assuming you went full term on paying off this mortgage, you're going to pay significantly. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars less. Um, you know from a from a 2.65 to a what are we at now seven percent um you're going to pay a significant you know significantly less money and so you can you can treat that uh you know the interest rate as an asset right and, and really sell it that way right right absolutely um yeah and so we Go ahead. You know, I, I, I was going to say, I think I alluded to it the other day. And again, this has been in a difficult a VA loan assumption because it's just taken forever. 
but we had a property that probably would have appraised just above like somewhere around 415 420 that we sold but because it was a va loan assumption uh because there was no appraisal anything else we actually were able to sell it for 440 so uh we told them you know you could have the we, we would go through the va loan assumption you know, for an additional, I think it was $20,000, $25,000, which uh, we were able to get the buyer to do. So you, you can definitely add significant value to your, uh, to your sellers in these instances. Um, and just think a lot of veterans, especially if they're still military at the time, um, that network is super tight and it could bring you lots of good business if you're able to add expertise value uh, to the process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what are the negative sides of uh, of assuming a mortgage in a traditional way? We're not talking sub two, we're, we're talking like the traditional assumption of a mortgage. What would you say, Jeff? Like what would be reasons to avoid it? Well, I would avoid this last one that I was just talking about because it's taken us literally six months to get this thing to close. Um, it's been a, a, a gruesome, not gruesome. That's it's been a it's been a very difficult, um, tedious process. That everybody buyer and seller are, are are just ready to go close conventional now because it's just been so difficult. Um, that's my big one. I, I don't really have any other negatives or downsides, but that's that's definitely the big one. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's the the biggest piece right there to understand is like that is you know, it will take a while. It is a headache. It is not easy. Um, you know, but when you've got somebody that maybe they owe, maybe they'll be at a short sale if they don't like let somebody assume the mortgage or they don't need to move quickly and they have plenty of time, that's fine. But you as an agent are going to have the biggest headache and big pain in the butt because you're going to be working on it. Um, Samantha asked how long it takes. I mean, there's been a couple that I've seen happen in the period of like, you know, 60 to 90 days, but then Jeff, yeah, you're still working six months. How much longer do you think you're going to go on that? Uh, we're at least another 30 days. Okay. So, you know, and, and that's the sad thing is they market 60 to 90 days is what it takes. But, you know, the one thing that I would say is to protect yourself because in our situation, uh, and scenario, like the, the, the buyer had to move. And so we did a, po we've essentially done a pre-occupancy settlement, right? So the, the buyer is paying rent, if you will, to the, for the house. Okay. Um, which puts the, the, the seller and the buyer in direct relationship with one another. And they actually started to clue together to, to try to move us out, you know, to move me out as the agent and the buyer's fiance was his agent. So she didn't have any problem stepping aside, but they were going to kick out the brokers to save themselves some money because again, they, you know, now they're working together and they thought that would be a great idea. So just make sure that, that you're covered, um, you know, make sure that, you know, I don't know how long your listing agreement is, but, make sure you extend that listing agreement. I would probably extend it out for a year um, and just make sure you have all your bases covered and everything is super tight.
Yeah. And in that one, the, the seller, now I'm not a big fan of pre-occupancy agreements um, unless there's a reason they need to happen, um, which I have had a couple of times where distressed sellers or sellers are moving and it's a short sale and you know they, they don't have the money. It's about to be foreclosed on and this gives them, anyway, there, there are times that that works. But um, on that one, there was a reason the, the seller just wanted to do a pre-occupancy. Is that right, Jeff? Is that right? Well, the seller the seller was moving out of town, and so they were going to have to carry both mortgages. And the and the buyer was the buyer wasn't necessarily without a home, but it was going to be very inconvenient for him not to be able to move in. So so both were at places. The the seller couldn't carry. Uh, a mortgage plus the rent that he was paying in, I think he was in the Boston area. Um, and the buyer, I think, was living with family. And, you know, so it just kind of worked out for both of them that that's, that's the route that we had to take. And again, the bank told us it was only going to be, you know, 60 to 90 days. And it had already been 30 days at that point. So, you know, we, we planned for two months and here we are, you know, six months in and still waiting. Yeah. It's, so, it's cool. Well, um, Jeff, anything else you want to you want to finish up on? I think we hit the major points. You know, uh, the Gubby loans are typically assumable; conventional are not. Um, and uh, it's it's a pain in the butt. You're going to have to bring the money to the table to make up the difference, right? Um, one oh, here's one thing that that can happen is. If the debt to income ratio is good enough, the seller can do a second trust on the property, right? So let's say uh, we had one in uh, in Woodbridge that we were working on, which is about 45 minutes away from where I live. Um, but we had one in Woodbridge. There was a, about a $250,000 deficiency between uh, what we were selling for. I think the sellers had a VA loan at 400. They wanted to sell at 650. The buyer was willing to pay six fifty for it, but they did not have two hundred fifty thousand. They they didn't have a hundred thousand as their down payment, so it was a fairly substantial down payment. So, what we were going to do, and then they actually got a full price offer that wasn't assumable, and we decided to go with it. So, what the seller decided, uh, what we were going to do was do a seller carry of. Um, of a little bit of that money so that uh, they were going to put down a hundred thousand. They were going to do a seller carry of 150,000. They were going to assume the 400,000 and the requirement was within the, like they, they had like a 10% interest rate for the second trust, but they said within the first 12 months, the, uh, the buyer had to get a home equity line of credit um, and essentially pay off the uh, the extra hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So that was what we were going to do to solve that gap. And uh, you know, the seller was fine with it because they were getting ten percent interest rate, which is it's good money on uh, <laughs> on, on hundred fifty grand. Yeah. Everybody yeah. was fairly happy. Yep. And I, the thing is, when you present these creative ideas, you have to talk slow. You have to be calm. This is not a high energy moment. This is not a fast talking moment. Um, I would suggest having paper and a pen or a pencil to be able to write it down as you go through it, if at all possible, because it is different than what they've expected or what they've experienced in the past. 
And so the moment that they get confused, no one likes to admit that they're confused or that they don't understand, or just that feeling alone scares them. And so they'll often shut down an idea before they even get a chance to understand it. So you got to make sure that you're speaking slowly, clearly, and, and calmly so that, you know, you don't spook the seller if this is indeed the best option for them. As we're, uh, as we're wrapping up, I want to also remind everybody, I said this at the beginning of the, the just when we started, I'm thinking about doing a three-week uh, free mastermind for anybody that wants to be a part of it. Well, the, the only cost is that there will be a book that you have to read um, outside of it. And the only way you can attend, the only way you can join is if you commit um, and put your word on it that you will read the book so that we're all on the same page. But um, I, if, if you're interested in this, please send me a message either through Facebook, through the Facebook group, or for, through Instagram. And uh, you know, just let me know that you're interested. And here are the topics we're, we're, we're deciding between. So let me know which one would be good. Um, how to get more listings, how to get more buyers in this high interest rate market, or uh, sales skills, how to close more of your appointments, how to increase your conversion percentage. So if that's something you're interested in, please pop me a message and uh, happy to do it. No cost, totally free, except for the fact that you have to do a little education on your own. So that is the deal. All right, Jeff, you have anything else you want to throw out before we wrap up? That's it. If you want to reach out about that, uh, you can. Uh, Chris mentions, mentioned his Instagram. That's at Cradrock, C-R-A-D-D-R-O-C-K. Uh, on Instagram there. Uh, if ever you want to reach out to me, talk through any of these scenarios that we've been discussing, it's 703-899-7270. One more time, 703-899-7270. We're always here to help, help you level up, help you uh, take that business to the next level or just get through a problem that you're, you're facing here. So this does conclude another episode of your Uncommon Real Estate Podcast with your host, Chris Craddock, myself, Jeff Safright. We'll be back on same time, same place next week. Love to have you here with us. Oh, and by the way, wherever you're listening to the podcast, if you're a podcaster there, go there, give us a rating, give us a review, and also comment. Let us know the content, topics, or anything else you'd like us to discuss on here. Because like I said, we're here to help you level up your business and get through the problems that you're facing. Uh, until next week, have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com.